Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Have you recently got into cycling and wondering, what should I eat while I'm out for a ride to sustain energy? Or are you a seasoned cyclist and would love to get away from all the sugary snacks that are on the market? Well, I have you covered. I've been looking for better whole food alternatives for cycling snacks to bring with me on short and long rides. I've been researching and trying different recipes, especially for the best, yummiest, and easiest snacks you can create at home. Download my first edition of Cycling Snacks today at www.askcoachsylvie.ca, tested and kid approved. Now enjoy the episode. All right, everyone, welcome back for another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou. And we have an amazing gentleman coming to us from Toronto. So Pete Lilly, he has a bike shop. If you have encountered Sweet Pete's Bike Shop, and I believe he's in three locations uh, Mm -hmm. across the greater GTA. So Pete is going to share with us um, how he fell into uh starting his bike shop um and everything that we were just discussing about how long he's had the bike shop and his whole you know history with bikes over the last 25 years if you think of the evolution of bikes right so welcome pete to the podcast i'm so excited to have you here thanks so much for inviting me sylvia it's my pleasure oh my gosh okay so my first question and only question is Let's hear about how you got into cycling and how it led you to start your bike shop. Back 13 (laughs) years. Well, you're 13 years old. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, like I said, it's, it, it, uh, this past November, I turned 50. And then a couple months later, I celebrated my 25th anniversary in the, in the bike shop. And the math was so simple to put in, you know, 25 (laughs) into 50. I was like, I have spent half my life professionally in the bike industry. And so um, it it was sort of a milestone marker. And it just, you know, I had to sort of sit back. It's wintertime. You've got time to think about things. And, <laughs> and so I, I just running through my head, going back and thinking about the evolution of bikes and, and um, you know, where we've come. And I don't know where we're going. I don't know where mm. where, where the technology is going to take us. But it's it really is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, um, I, I was 25 just outside, just finished university and my, my whole childhood, um, I, I was a Canadian kid. I loved to play hockey, but, um, but I always had a fascination with bikes 
Um, going back to when I was a little kid in BC, I, I dreamt of having a, a BMX bike. Um, I had one built jumps, you know, used to rip around with my friends, go fishing. It was really sort of Andy from Mayberry kind of thing. It was really, oh, when I, I think it. about it, how oddball <laughs> it is. But, um, and then into my teens, uh, I started to get into road bikes. They were, um, you know, started to become a thing, you know, the original Cannondale aluminum bikes and, you know, Vetus and all these crazy bikes and Greg LeMond winning Tour de France is all of a sudden Tour de France was on TV. So mm -hmm. I got into road riding and road racing. Um, and I, I, I'd be kidding if I ever said, and even to, to this day, there's no real path to retail now, maybe business school, but, um, but I'd be kidding if I, if I said that I ever considered, um, the bike industry as something that I'd be doing when I was 50. Um, so, you know, it's sort of still strange to think about it. And when I think about, you know, at 50 financial guys are like, yeah, talk about your succession plan. What are you going to do? Are your kids going to take over? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, so <laughs> are your kids right. as when fascinated I... as you? Uh, they love to ride for sure. It's a big thing in our family. Um, we, we all love to ride bikes, but it's, it, it was, um, but the business of bikes, uh, is, mm. is something altogether different. It, um, yeah. and so I don't know that they'll follow my path into it. Um, I don't, I don't know if they'll do it as well, but it's, um, but I, I like you said, I, I, I really sort of fell into it. It was, it, it wasn't just a blind fall, but it was certainly something that kind of appeared. And then I chased it and looked at it a little deeper and then, uh, and then jumped in. And, um, and there's never been a day that I've sort of looked back and said, man, that was a waste because I love it every single day. There's occasionally you get somebody who their bike got ripped off and they're upset that they're having to come back and buy another one. But for the most part, you're dealing with people coming in and wanting to get their bike fixed or they're prepping for a big race or they're buying power bars for their weekend ride or, you know, looking at the new suspension or the new arrow, this or that. And it's, people are in a good mood. And so it's hard to be upset when you're coming, uh, when, when you're coming into that work environment every day. So I love yeah. it. I know, I know 25 years is a, is you think about it's a long time. Cause I think about 14 years, well, I've been in the cycling business, cycling club, everything since for 20 years, you know, and I'm just like, wow, my God, how the, the years just fly by. I have my women's cycling club 14 years, you know, it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, what, what's the next 10 years go? Is it just going to be a lot of the same or, but yeah, like I, and I've been, and I'm not in the, the biz, the cycling business, but I've certainly seen the evolution of bikes, you know, within our club, you know, how it's evolved and how we're, you know, like the, the changes and the transitions um, as to what the bikes are looking like these days. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, as a cycling club, you know, like, you know, people are like, oh my God, do I need to have this type of bike? And I'm like, no, you don't need to spend $10,000 on your bike. It's okay. <laughs> But when, when you think you about it now, I mean, all of these bikes now, um, you know, 20 years ago, the height of aerodynamics was the, the, the teardrop helmet and a disc wheel. And it was it and there was no wind testing. There was nothing like that happening. It was just or, or and even the smaller front wheel, you know, that was as good as we could make it. And now 
you're really lagging if you're a company that's not using wind tunnel testing. And, you know, so we've gone to the point of F1 cars and aerospace and the materials that we're using. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy how much things have evolved. You know, it's funny though, because the average person doesn't really care about all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? They just want, they just want a reasonable priced bike that they can ride and have fun on. You know, and, and those are the type of people that are buying like wind tunnel testing. I don't know. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I just want, you know, I just want to go riding with my friends and I don't want to like have to take a second mortgage out on the house to buy the bike and <laughs> or buy multiple bikes or, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but it, I guess if, you know, you're looking at the higher end stuff now, is that something that you consider when you're buying your bikes? Like when you mentioned that. Uh, for my bike personally? No, like or when the, we're buying the, for the, the store. Yeah, buying for the store. Like what kind of clients coming into your store? Um, we do a little bit of everything. So we, I mean, we, I've got, uh, I've, we, we've got kids bikes um, all the way from the little run bikes um, going all the way up to, you know, $20,000 um, e-mountain bikes. Um, oh, yeah. so. It's- it's wow. yeah it's it's crazy i mean they're they're one step below a motorcycle now and so and the the mechanical ability that's required to work on one is you know equivalent to what you'd find at your car garage it's crazy <gasps> yeah the oh, evolution I guess of that so, eh? but it's um but yeah i mean we do it's becoming so spe- um specialized that there are custom bike manufacturers, custom shoe manufacturers, custom everything. You can get everything done custom. So we do stock some high-end equipment. Um, we're not, there are some stores in Toronto, especially that are specific triathlon stores. And so we mm. don't dabble too much in that because it's a, you know, it's a real, it's a pretty deep rabbit hole if you want to go down that yeah. Uh, in that direction. And so, um, and there's only so much sort of money to spend and uh, the specialty guys are really good at it. So mm-hmm. we sort of, you know, let, let, um, let the specialty guys take care of it. Um, but we certainly have access to it through the brands that we carry and, and, um, and it's pretty nice to be able to do, um, you know, we, we have fitting equipment in the store that we can, if somebody comes in and says they want something specific, we can, get up we can do a proper fit um and and then bring that bike in for a person and know that it's not as simple as 20 years ago when you just throw your leg over it and like okay this is the right bike for you so uh, it's 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 high tech now <laughs> wow so i just want to go back when you started your store did you buy a store or did you start it from scratch so it was it was an existing store. Okay. Um, yeah, it was um, it was part. There was a a chain of stores nationwide called Cycle Path, and there's oh. still a few stores in existence. I think there's but, one in um, Ottawa. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so yeah, and so at one point they were all the way from Halifax to Vancouver, and and um, uh, but not long into my Cycle Path phase, uh, the, the the bank called the note on the head office, and so. Uh, the chain sort of broke up because there was no centralized buying anymore. So it, all stores became independent and we eventually changed our name. So um, it was kind tricky. Kind of rebranded. Yeah, it, it was funny, Sylvia, at the time, we we were the oldest store. 
So if somebody wanted to call what they were expecting to find the head office because they were unhappy with something, they would get my number. And oh, so no. I, heard, I heard all the complaints. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, uh, there's nobody to control this. There's no quality control. And so I can't, you know, I, I eventually was like, I just need to step away from the group and be responsible for my own protecting my own good name and so um, I'm still good friends with a lot of the psychopath stores and and the ones that are still in existence are there because they're good stores um, right. but um, but but yeah we we bought a we bought a store that was already um, it had history in fact it was the original uh, psychopath wow. store so um, but yeah starting mm. from with the second store we opened was uh, was a brand new initiative so I've seen it sort of from both sides and that the to start it from scratch is much 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 more difficult um <laughs> it's just it's such a such a challenge you're just you don't understand how valuable it is to have um people coming in the door that know you're a bike store from day one it's so much better so much easier wow but, um, so you yeah. so you mastered the second one then you decide to do a third one <laughs> is that how it worked <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> foolish <laughs> so are they know. all very um like they're in good places like toronto mm -hmm. Bloor, bloordale and bay avenue bayview yeah. so bayview is in uh is in the brickworks um it's mm -hmm. kind of a neat um it's it's where in the don valley where they where they yeah. used to actually make all the bricks for the city so um oh. it was an abandoned brick factory for a long time and then um and then uh, through the vision of, uh, of a company called Evergreen, they came and restored it. And so it's a great place to go and hike. And then you've got access to the Don Valley mountain bike trails there. Um, and now with some proper bike lanes, it's a good place to start a road ride as well. So it's a, it's a beautiful spot when you're down in the Don Valley, you don't even know that you're in the city anymore. So, um, it's a neat spot. Very, I've very been down there once. Very cool. huh? <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. <laughs> I, I, um, I was out cycling with a friend of mine and he, I didn't have my bike. So he lent me his and he was much taller than me. <laughs> so needless to say, it was really nice down there, but I wasn't having a good time on this extra large <laughs> bike that I was practically killing myself. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I want to go home now, <laughs> but it is like, it, it does have its own little feel like you're in the middle of the city, but you have no idea. It's just, yeah, Absolutely. it's a nice little place to go riding. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'd have to go back there with a much, you know, more <laughs> fitted bike for myself. I'd probably enjoy myself a whole lot more. But right. um, so tell us about, um, you know, the last little while, how you've, um, you know, maneuvered yourself through COVID. I know, I know <laughs> lots of bike shops were so busy. They're yeah. either making money or selling everything and then they didn't have anything to sell and where it looked really good then it wasn't so yeah. good it's really um it's really an odd time it's um in every industry obviously everybody has their own stories the bike industry um i'll be honest when 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 news of the economy shutting down showed up um i I, I thought, well, that's the end of days, you know, like we'll, we'll shut yeah. down. Everybody's going to shut down. And I can't imagine anybody's, you know, all these people are going to be out of work. Who's going to want to buy a bike. And it didn't <laughs> dawn on me. And I, I, I kicked myself for just a complete lack of vision, but, um, but maybe being realistic about the whole thing, but it really went, 
right away to, well, there's nothing else to do. You can go out for a walk or you can go for a bike ride. And so, and if I can ride, I don't want to ride outdoors with other people. So I need to get a trainer. And so all of a sudden trainer sales went crazy and people started coming in for bikes and it started with, you know, people that were coming in, honestly, there, Sylvie, there were so many people that came in for their first bike I and know. it's something that you could, you could advertise for, you could prod and kick and offer tax incentives and you could do all these things to try <laughs> to get people to try to ride a bike and they wouldn't. Um, but the, this thing came along and all of a sudden people were showing up to buy their first bike. And so um, it was uh, wonderful um, inspiring a whole bunch of things that were cool at the beginning, but we had a number of employees who said, I'm not interested in working. I don't want to be public facing during this thing. It, there were so many questions about COVID and what it was going to mean. Yeah. So we lost some people. We didn't have to lay anybody off. Um, but I worked a stretch of 120 days in a row <sighs> in the first year of uh, the first season of COVID because we just didn't have enough people. Um, mm. All of our all of our sales went from in-store. We, we had an online presence already, um, but about 15% of our business was online and 85 was in-store. And that went to 95% overnight. And so we all of a sudden had to take all these people that were used to selling bikes in-store and make them boxers and packers and receivers. And, you know, and it, it became very impersonal, just handing things off to people in masks. Right. Um, and people got angry in the, the first few weeks, there were people that were like, okay, you know, we're all going to get through this. We're all on the same team. And then it started to get a little bit ugly because people were like, I have to wait this. I'm, I'm angry. I want to ride. I don't want to miss out. Where's my bike. Why is it taking you so long? What's your problem? And it was, it was, we saw both the beautiful side of people and the ugly side of people oftentimes in the same day. 17 year old kids working up at the front, handing bikes to people oh. who were, you know, getting cursed out by people, you know, it really was a, a, a strange time mm -hmm. and it settled in a little bit. Um, you know, the winter came and things got a little slower, still really busy, really busy for the bike industry. Um, but, um, and now, you know, now, now the industry is playing catch up and we just can't get there. You know, it's just, right. um, if you, if you want a bike now, you almost have to think about it as a consumer, you have to think about it a year out. Um, yeah. Because, or just buy you know, whatever's on the market. Cause hundred percent. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's, you can't go like, I want red. No, no. there's blue and there's green. <laughs> Pick one. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. And it's, it's just like, you know, and the, the, the prices because of the, the factory prices have gone up and shipping prices have gone up. And so, mm -hmm. you know, obviously people are seeing it in their grocery bill and in their anything else that you're buying, but yeah. bikes are no, uh, are, are, haven't been able to evade that. It's just bike prices have gone up, you know, 20% and it's not coming from the retailer. It's, it's coming from 12 layers above us yeah. um, and they just can't keep up. So, you know, even now when people are thinking, well, COVID's kind of over, like the mask mandates have been lifted and so aren't, haven't bikes caught up? And they just haven't, you know, there's toilet paper on the shelves. So everyone thinks that the, the, the parts shortages are, are done. But, you know, if you want to get an 11 speed chain now, or if you want to get a, a, an Ultegra crank, good luck. 
good luck because mm. it just it, you know i can tell you that one is coming to me next month but it might be you know the shimano date will kick and kick and kick and kick and it's not that they don't want to give it to you i want to get it to you shimano wants to get it to me but it's it's entirely up in the air as to when it's going to show up and so um i've had this conversation five so million many times. times yeah and so it's um it's difficult but um and it's hard too, because it's my, my nature. I mean, even hmm. at a base level, if I didn't care about any of the people that I'm serving, if all I wanted was their money, I'd speed things up, but I don't have any control over it. And all of those things are not true. I want people to be happy. I want people to keep riding their bikes, but I can't, it's just such an ugly scene right now and so far away from being fixed too. So. Yeah. Well, I've, I've noticed, um, I've noticed a lot of bikes that were not used back onto the market. You know, a lot of people bought bikes, didn't You're use right. them or maybe didn't like them, but a lot of good bikes are coming back on the market and they're not cheap either. <laughs> you know, cause I was looking for, of course, everybody's going gravel. So yep. I was looking for a gravel bike and I, I got one, but um, it's not my hands yet, but um, <laughs> but it was a small shop uh, in in Armbrier that I came across, which is crazy. I'm like Armbrier, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's true because uh, a lot of people are looking to upgrade to and um, and I have noticed like on Kijiji or Marketplace that there's things coming out there, you know slightly used bought it two years For ago sure. never you know like it's kind of weird why people wouldn't actually use their bike you know if they bought it with that intention yeah it's like, yeah i think kind of now they're you know what's happening now is people can go back to the gym now or they are going on vacation and so they're just like well i, I bought that because it was the only thing i could do but i didn't right. use it that much and now that i have other options I can go play golf. I don't need that bike anymore. And I'd rather have the mm -hmm. money. And so. We're, yeah, we're, yeah we're, I think it's the money, actually. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's we're like, wary I of see. that. I mean, like, how many trainers should we buy? I I don't know. I mean, how many of those trainers that, the, the, you know, the market was so crazy there for two winters and then even into the spring and summer, people are like, I don't want to ride outside. I want to I'll ride in my house where I won't get COVID. And so. Yeah. There are so many trainers out there that mm. are people, is everyone who bought one hooked on it now? Are they going to keep mm. riding? Is everyone going to keep riding Zwift? Or are <laughs> we going to get a flood of those things on Kijiji? And the truth is when the suppliers ask us, you, your boots on the ground, you must have the answer. Like, I don't know. I don't know who's going to keep it. I don't know. Yeah, but, that's um, a good one. I think, uh, I think just along with the, the bikes is if you didn't find yourself a community to ride with, then, or even like on Swift, I mean, Swift is great, but if you don't have people to ride with, you know, like a, a group of friends to sure. connect and go for rides, then it's not so much fun. No. You know what I mean? No. Um, and it's not as motivating. So I can see people kind of migrating back, even like off of it and back into the gym or just away from their bike completely. And then there's yeah. the other, it's like the skills. How do you ride a bike? properly <laughs> oh this is where i come in but i can't help everybody everywhere but um but yeah and it's <clears throat> and um even like with my women's cycling club <clears throat> you know i thought that they were we were 
able to continue going over the two years, but we had to plan a lot. Like oh, it was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a lot of planning, like six people to a group. You had to pre-register, <laughs> like there was a lot, but I mean, I mean, it saved a lot of us. I mean, you know, just to get out and ride with people yeah. was a lifesaver. Well, they're lucky. Know, they were lucky. They were lucky to have somebody like you that's mm -hmm. taking charge in that situation because it does take a lot of work. And to get out and do that, you're you're 100 percent right. The mental, the anxiety created by having to stay by yourself was terrible. And then to not move, like to to be able to get out and ride with other people, was a lifesaver. And I, I was able to ride with just my neighbor, and that was <laughs> that that got me through all of those days in a row where I had to work. I needed that bike ride it's just uh you know I was a, a full-on junkie for that one ride every day I needed it yeah I bet like I can't even imagine being in and working that many days but it was crazy when we heard like bike shops were essential services and then they all just, <laughs> just stayed open we're like oh my god yeah <laughs> thank god <laughs> thank god for that <laughs> yep yeah so um so Steve, a mutual friend connected us. And are you going to be participating in the Ride to Conquer Cancer with him? I'm or is not. that is that part I, of your summer? No, nah, it's I have in the past. I've done it before. And we certainly as a <laughs> shop, we support the Ride to Conquer Cancer. Um, I think what it is, number one, you know, full transparency, I'm terrible at fundraising. I, I stink uh, at it and I really I know, don't like I'm doing it. I'm anxious about that too. <laughs> so I think the last time I did it, I just like out of the gate, I just cut a check and was like, here, I'm not asking it. I'm not doing it. Like I'll just take the tax right off for myself and I'm in. And so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm uh, after a couple of years of the um, uh, racing scene, not being, um, so mm. it, I'm 50 years old, as I said, and I, I don't, I, I've had enough crashes on my mountain bike, enough crashes on my road bike. I've really gotten captivated by gravel to the point where I sold my road bike. I don't even have one anymore. Um, I just, I love gravel riding so much that it just didn't make sense to have all of them. In fact, the, the bike that I had was the single best bike I've ever had. The road bike I had was the top end Trek uh, Damane. Um, with new uh, DI2 Durace disc brakes, mm. the lightest wheels. It was the most beautiful bike and I loved riding it. And then I got on a gravel bike and I, I forgot <laughs> about it. I said, forget it. I, I, and I, I had to get on, I had to warranty a wheel. So I got back on my road bike and I was like, this seems like I'm riding on a razor plate. Like it's just, I have to be so careful on it. I love my gravel bike. And so I've never looked back. Um, wow. but, um, so I've kind of gotten into a few more gravel events um, and then, uh, I, I, I got hooked on the idea of this, um, mountain bike event. I'm not into speed anymore, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I like more endurance events. Uh -huh. uh, Me too, actually. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm gravitating towards that. I'm 51. So I'm just a little bit older than you. And, uh, and I got a, um, refurbished Bianchi gravel bike. Like it was just built up for me. Uh, because there's nothing right and i'm like i can't afford four thousand dollars so what can i get and there's right. um a recycle shop uh retro rides here in ottawa and so i was over there chatting with them doing an interview he's like well i might have a bike your size 
uh, a mountain bike. And I'm like, he's like, do you want me to build? I said, well, how much? He's like a thousand bucks. I was like, okay. Score. Yeah. Beautiful. Score. Yeah. Every time somebody <laughs> sees it, it's like, oh my God, look at that Bianchi. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it was. <laughs> yeah, no like, problem. But uh, so, I feel that too, that endurance gravel thing. Yeah. Crazy. I think it's just, it's, it's sort of maybe obviously I know that there are still mountain bike racers. There are still road bike racers. There are still triathletes. There are still athletes of every stripe who crave speed. Um, but I think there's something to be said for um, the growth of all of these other events um, uh, in, in the dirty cans and unbound and mm. these events that are about speed. Of course, there are guys who can blitz those things, um, but it's for the everyday athlete. It's more about um, mental uh, toughness. And so it gives you something to chase, something to ride for, something to train for. But mm. if you were, I, I was never the fastest guy, but, um, but I, I'm, I like to think of myself as mentally tough. And so doing um, my, my carrot in the last six or seven years has been the Leadville 100. And so. <gasps> uh, Have you have, done that? So I, I, I've done it twice what? and I haven't, I haven't completed it or, or oh, no. the first time I got pulled off the course. Cause I didn't make a time marker. Mm -hmm. um, three years ago, I completed the hundred miles. And for anybody who doesn't know, you have to finish it in under 12 hours to get the, um, the belt the buckle. buckle. And mm -hmm. um, I finished in 12 hours, one minute and 21 seconds. They so, are very strict. I've heard. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god that was a hurt oh i, feel I was you, i was so bitter i was so bitter and so um my my wife said well you've done it you you finished it and you were a minute short what difference does it make and that's you're like i don't have the belt buckle that's what yeah. i'm here for <laughs> and there were friends of mine that were like well can't they just give it to you and i'm like well of course they can't i knew going in it was 12 hours not 120125 it was 12 and so I need to do it. And so mm -hmm. I signed up again. I got in through the lottery a few years ago. And then obviously it ha now hasn't happened for the last few years. So it's happening this year in August. Mm -hmm. So are you going? Um, I'm going. Yeah. 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 <gasps> yeah. Okay. Okay. You have to write down. I'm going to connect you with my friend, Randall Bennett, okay. Bike Bennett. You might've, you might've come across him. He's done it like five times. Oh man. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, he's crazy. And I, I was like, God, that's something I want to put on my bucket list. But August is a family travel month. Right. So I'm like, so not this year, but because I was looking at it last January about getting myself into the lottery. And, uh, but you know, if you go next year, <laughs> oh, you have a training buddy. I'll put it, it out there. It is the best. It's it's such a it's such a unique. Are you going to go a week ahead of time though? Yeah, to train yeah. Altitude. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just to hike and to bike a little bit, and I mean, it's such a big difference. Obviously, in Quebec, you have you have a little bit more um, <laughs> a little bit more variance in terrain than we do <laughs> in Ontario. So, um, but to get to Colorado and to see, you know the different color sky and the huge map, like it's so beautiful there. And even though Leadville's kind of a, you know, it was a derelict mining town, but it's, it's sort of sprung back to life because of this, this race series. And so yeah. um, this is the last time I'll go. I, I, I've said that before, but I, I can't, I, it's, 
it is a, it's a it's a challenge obviously the same i've got the same pressures as as you know it is a family time august is pretty mm-hmm. pretty nice time to be at home with the family so i'm fortunate that my family is sort of let, uh let me go again <laughs> but it's I, it can't be a regular fixture on the calendar but it's so i love it so much i love going to colorado so much it's just such a highlight oh so, i i see i'm like i just want the belt buckle <laughs> same here same here same well here. i'm sending you luck i'm gonna connect you with uh with with randall and um and another woman who's going there so i connected those two and uh so i'm gonna connect i'm gonna throw you into the the um awesome. the mix yeah. there and uh yeah he's amazing he's yeah he's uh he's a retired businessman like he's pretty cool man uh is he somebody and, you uh, train sylvie no i no? i met him uh, i met him on facebook in a, a road cycling group like god six seven years ago wow and we've just been friends and uh you know always been in touch and uh and so you know i reached out to him to do the podcast uh so i did an episode with him about that but you know more about his, his cycling and stuff and um he's such a such a nice guy like and uh you know um he's just involved in a lot of things even though he's not in business anymore like he's he's an entrepreneur he sold his you know built up his business sold it and now he's just like riding and and doing charity stuff amazing like yeah like all over the united states so it's he's a pretty cool guy to uh be connected with um and uh, anyways, but uh, well, I'll send you That's good cool. luck, good vibes in August. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. I'm like, I don't think I should put my name in there because just in case. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah, you, you, you have to go. It's such a tr- it's such a uh, I mean, it, the, the, the history behind it, too, with Lance having written it. And, you know, it's yeah. just it's just a cool story. And it really is sort of one of the originals, too. So there are others. And so I don't know what the next one will be. Hopefully, this is my year. <laughs> I just need to figure out a way. I needed one. You've written it three times. Month. You should be yeah. able to. You got that the whole course in your mind to go. Okay, where you did I it. lose that one minute? <laughs> I, I no remember, more quick <laughs> transitions. <laughs> I, I was riding with a buddy, and I, I stopped at one point to pee. I got off my bike, and he was like, "What are you doing? You don't get off your bike to pee." And I was like, "What difference does it make?" Like at the that end, one minute, like that one minute, like, oh, idiot. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is my year, Sylvie. This I'll is your something. year. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to get, uh, got to start, get that training in. But I, my goal is, uh, Hurton and Halliburton. I, I just saw that for the first time this week. And so I yeah. think uh, that might go on the schedule too. Yeah. It's, um, it's an eight hour. So, and it's 20 K loop. And you do yeah. it as many times as you can. And and I'm bringing the family. So you can bring the family. You can nice. camp there. Like the transition area where you go through is like where your tent is and everything. So right. you can you can either stop or just go through or stop, get more food, things like that. They're going to have a whole village and everything. So um, awesome. I came in sixth last awesome. year. And wow. uh, now I'm going to go with a bigger bike, a better bike. And uh, so I can probably get in one more lap. <laughs> Anyways, and I'm going to be more trained for it. So, by knowing the course, yeah, I would and say. knowing the course, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I went to easy on it and I stopped to chat in the last lap, right. which I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take it easy. And then I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> Slowly erasing her. But anyways, but the, the competitive side kicked in. Um, so, so what do you foresee with your, your, your shop for the summer? Is it in full swing right now? All three locations, everybody's getting yeah. out and getting their bikes it's, in. Uh, it, it, it is, um, in my 25 years, this might be the strangest year yet. So, really? um, yeah, I think so. I really, the I transition really to back to normalcy. So we were expecting that we expected that oh. we'd be, that there'd be challenges. Like the analogy that I, that I used was it, to get into this situation was pretty easy. It was just people walked in and bought everything down to the studs. So it was easy <laughs> enough, you know, we sold everything we had. And so, um, you know, now trying to, trying to restock and get back to any sort of a normal inventory where you've mm. got good sizing and good selection and good, you know, a number of good mm. models. It would be nice if you could go to the suppliers and they had everything, but they don't. Mm. So, um, you know, now it's like, mm. imagine if you went into a grocery store after everyone did their hurricane prep and it was empty. And then you went back the next day and they had pickles and cereal and pork chops. You'd be like, well, I kind of want some different <laughs> things, but like, so right now we have, you know, we've got $800 hybrids. We've got no gravel bikes. We've got, mm. you know, I've got a couple of $10,000 road bikes, but nothing cheaper than that. Wow. Um, I have no, no full suspension mountain bikes, but tons of kids bikes. And so, you know, and, and, and it's hard because people come in and they sort of think like, you really butchered this. Like, why didn't you buy better stuff? Why don't you have the bike that I want? And like, listen, I know what I'm doing, but I, I don't have the, I don't have the choice right now. And so, um, and really, you know, we've been putting everything on back order for years. Um, and then when it becomes available, you have the option to take it. So for example, all of these $800 hybrids, when they said they were available, we said, we'll just take as many as you can ship us to the point where we're, we're the store is full and we've had to get rental units off site because we didn't want to say no. As soon as you say no, you go to the back of the line. So right. if you sell out of the ones that you have, you might not get them for another two years. Mm -hmm. So so how many do you take? And obviously you only have so much credit and you only have a season X amount of months long to sell it. Yeah. Uh, and our customers are going to like it. And with the inflated prices, are people going to be into it? Like I don't, Or how many used bikes are out there? So, so many variables. Mm. You're trying to figure it all out. Um, and then on top of that, um, I'm sure you've experienced it. You read about it in the media. Um, you go to a high-end restaurant and service is slow. And that's in a high-end restaurant where people are, are, are making, you know, the, the service staff and is making a lot of money. It's, it's a good job um, and they can't find people. And so um, the labor shortage is real. And so you know, we've lost some people that haven't come back and we haven't been able to replace them. And so um, we've had to kind of go the old Montreal Expos route and start fresh and start with unproven, you know, we're, tr we're training young 
young people how to sell bikes. And that's frustrating because we've always had a good veteran crew that anyone, you know, you could come in and talk to any one of six Mm -hmm. people who could tell you about triathlon bikes or tell you about mountain bikes or full suspension or the advantage of carbon over steel, whatever. Now we've got 15, 16, 17 year olds who know about bikes, but they don't know they're, they're not bikes. And so, so um, where did, where did all your good staff go? Like they're not still sitting on CERB. I think that's gone. I, I, you know, that's the million dollar question because I think it's not just unique to the bike industry. I think if you ask the guy who owns, you know, the fancy restaurant down on King street, where did your staff go? Um, you know, because he had different staff or, you know, any business you want, you can, you can scratch your head and say, where did everyone go? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I think, that is strange. you know, uh, inflation and real estate and prices have driven, I think a lot of young people out of the city, uh, or mm. people in different segments out of the city. And so that's hurt. Um, um, I think a lot of people have gone back to school taken advantage of the time oh. and said, I'm going to go back and do some retraining. No. Um, because people in, in some industries probably didn't, you know, you could, I could have had anybody working 150 hours a week if they wanted it. But if you were in the service industry, maybe you couldn't work at all. And so you just went back and said, instead of going back to that industry where I'm at the whim of the mm-hmm. market, maybe right. I'll just go back to school and do whatever. Yeah, so, it's a, yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of, yeah, maybe a lot of people went and just had, it was an opportunity to change what yeah. they were doing or really sit back and see what they wanted move to mexico i don't know yeah <laughs> i know a fair <laughs> amount of people who moved to mexico <laughs> yeah i don't know I, it is so strange though i mean i just I've, I've 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 asked myself that question what happened to everybody where did everyone go but, uh, but did you, I, I, did I you be... message them hey some of the people some of the people who left the shop you know i know a few who moved out west um oh you know, a few moved to Montreal, like it, people moved around. And so I'm sure some people from Montreal probably moved here too, but it's, it, it just, um, you know, typically every spring we get a flood of resumes for people wanting to come in and work. And this year it was all sort of young, young people. And so, um, you know, <laughs> life handed us lemons. We're making lemonade out of it. I, that's all we can do. You know, we're just kind of, we're, we're lucky we still well, have a good core. Yeah, I but, guess you got the the opportunity to mold some kids, just like yeah, pretend it's you back in thirteen. And the fact <laughs> that we—I know your <laughs> kids are a little different these days. True enough. True enough. So are the bikes. I, <laughs> I think the fact that we that we're a little bit lucky in that you know we're not having to teach people about DI two because frankly we don't have any DI two bikes, and so um, you know we carbon fiber gravel bikes. If I had them, I'd have to train the staff how to sell them, but we aren't getting them. So um, it's, you know, we're, we're lucky that maybe we only have kids bikes and $800 hybrids because those are pretty easy to teach people how to sell. So, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can with what we've got. But like I said at the beginning of that, of this rant, it's the strangest year ever because there's nothing predictable about it. Wow. So, um, yeah, strange. I don't know. Just <laughs> making the best of it. It's interesting to talk to you about that because like every shop, and I haven't talked to many shop owners lately, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's it's interesting to hear your take, especially in Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, where cycling is, 
I've interviewed quite a few people in the Toronto area, like advocates and, you know, like Steve and uh, some other um, individuals who are cyclists. And it's just, uh, it's so huge. Like there's such a big advocacy group, like for cycling in there and a lot of people getting on bikes and it's surprising. It's been like, Sylvie, 25 years ago, you couldn't ride your bike on a street in Toronto. So it's, there have been a few individuals that have come along and made such a big difference here. And, yeah. and frankly, you know, I don't think anybody's going to look back and say that they're happy that COVID showed up, but cycling advocates, and I count myself among them, obviously, uh, obviously I do, are, are, are somewhat grateful um, that the situation presented itself. Because like mm-hmm. I said earlier, a lot of new people are, are coming back, are coming into the sport or the activity for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made commuting a viable choice yeah where people would have said five years ago even that's dumb i i'm i'll show up i'll be sweaty you know my suit what am i gonna help mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not even gonna think about it and now there are bike lanes bike lanes yeah. had to come because of the volume of riders out there and so and those bike lanes are still here and those people who got on a bike and rode into work said this is way better i'm not cramming my way onto subway i'm not subject mm-hmm. to somebody else's schedule and even maybe if it's a crazy rainy day or icy or snowy out, they'll take the subway. But the other 90% of the days, they can ride their bike and show up to work and be clear-headed. And they figured out a solution. Maybe their workplace has installed a shower or they've got a way to get their, their suit or their work clothes um, into work or they've got a locker. All of these things have come out of COVID. And so, um, you know, it's, and the advocacy, just like you said, it's yeah. the Toronto appeared out of nowhere um, and and coalesced all of the different advocacy groups. It was crazy. You sit around a table with like 30 advocacy groups. Yeah. Everyone had a different message. And now with Cycle Toronto, you've got one and it's good. Mm-hmm. And the city listens. And so that's um, it. The city listens because I don't mm-hmm. know sure what's going here on in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. We're, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on here. It, it seems like it's very individual. Like everybody's kind of all over the place. Their own, they got like their own little uh, core, and and it's it's weird over here. I like even Montreal's different, and and Toronto seems to be very inclusive. And but uh, around here, it's like everybody's like for themselves in their own club. That nobody like really collaborates, and it's weird. I hate it actually. 15 years of this and I'm like, God, can't we just work together like for cycling, for the sport, you know, why your club is it? Yeah. You know, like your club is as important as my club and we can do stuff together. And, uh, anyways, but so we've covered a lot. Is there any last things that you want to share with us about what's happening in your bike shop right now? If you want to share like a, what do you have in sales on hybrids? Oh, <laughs> okay, we all know that you're looking for for workers. <laughs> right, right. If you're a mechanic, please, please. Send oh my me gosh, email. how um, many people? How many job postings have I seen about mechanics? Oh man, but you're right. There, like there oh, are hey. hundred. Like there's such there, a need for a mechanic. There, it, there are stores that don't have any. Um, oh, here I'll hold on here. Something happened. Um. There's a there's a bike program in like is it Guelph or London? Yeah, Guelph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? 
Um, do you know, I don't do you know, know why the name is escaping me. Um, it's water. like a two-week program. Water something, no? Yeah. It's and it's a, it's affiliated with Conestoga College. You get a, you can get college credits for taking the course as well. It's it's a it's a valuable course. Um, it's it's been decent as a feeder um, thing, but like I said, it, when we were first talking mm -hmm. before we before we started recording, it's mm -hmm. you know twenty five years ago you could learn how to be a bike mechanic in a weekend. And it's just, you know, in, even now to learn the basics of just how to fix your chain if it breaks or how to replace a cable or how to change a flat. Those things are basics that anybody can learn. We offer a little mini course on that called Park Tool School. Um, mm -hmm. That's great for just for commuters or for, for you know, new riders. Um, but to learn how to do the rest of it, to you know, with an e-bike, to learn how to do diagnostics oh. on that and learn how to mm -hmm. fix a Bosch motor, um, or how to do an internal hub or how to or adjust electronic shifting or bleed a hydraulic brake, uh, set up a tubeless tire, like they're, they're cars now. And so you're talking about, and with now 12 speed down to six speed, understanding not just what interfaces with what, but where to look to see what works with what, um, you can't just hire, and there's no real certification for it either. And that's anywhere mm. in the world, whether you're in California, where it's year round cycling and the, you know, 100 million population, you just don't, there's no certification anywhere for somebody. So somebody can say they're a mechanic, but that could mean anything from one to 100 um, right. in terms of their ability. And so um, to have a mechanic that you know and trust their work is it's weight in gold. And that's, I'm saying that as a shop owner, but um, I would say that to any person as well, any bike rider out there, if get to know your, the, the, it's so hard now with everybody learning about how to buy things online, you can find things online and uh, online can be cheaper. They can ship it right to your door. It's all great, but you need to keep your local bike shop going um, because they are the place where you'll find your mechanic who knows how to fix your bike. And take when you can't put your parts on <laughs> to bring it to your bike i bought this online and i can't quite figure it out you're like uh-huh <laughs> bring it in and they're they're, <laughs> they're 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 hard to find and but they're they're also they can they're i find mechanics are like drummers or like relief pitchers in baseball or goalies in hockey like they are always a little bit kind of different from the rest of us and so they're unique individuals, but you need to, you need to drum along with them because it's, it's, they are worth their weight in gold. The mechanics that know what they're doing are so hard to find and their work is so good that um, befriend them and take care of them because they're, once they're gone, you, they're impossible to replace. Wow. Are they the highest paying in your, your shop? Highest paid? They are. They are. Yeah. It's, um, I can train somebody how to sell a bike in a week. I can't train somebody how to build a wheel in a week. Oh, maybe a wheel, but I can't train somebody how to be a mechanic in a week. That takes years. And mm -hmm. so they are, um, you know, there are places in the, in the U S where you can be very, very well paid, not maybe lawyer level, but you can be very well paid. If you're a year, a shop that's year round, um, that is, uh, you know known for its mechanic that mechanic will be very very well compensated so it's 
it's gone it's come a long way in 25 years they're they're whoa they're, did everybody they're, just hear that if you want to become a bike mechanic you start by taking the course and then getting yourself into a shop where you can mm -hmm. learn and then you can move and get paid no i'm just kidding <laughs> you become like a nurse right you can Absolutely. go anywhere and get paid i mean 100 like, percent. anywhere yeah. anywhere in the world will need you yeah yeah hmm that's like the new uh you know electrician you know plumber they're all looking for these trades yeah. It's like yeah, a trade. Yeah. yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. Go get your arts degree from university. I don't know. What's that going to do for you? Go and go to trade school and become an electrician or a plumber. You will, you will do well. <laughs> Very mm -hmm. well. And a mechanic. Bike, Bike mechanic. mechanic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you will get paid well. <laughs> hey, I don't think anybody ever thought that a bike mechanic would get paid well. Now? <laughs> get paid well should have honed my skills <laughs> ah, yeah it's like i will spend all the time in the back of the shop not in the front <laughs> taking right. care of everybody's bikes <laughs> wow well this has been um enlightening i like it's it's great to hear from from you from a bike shop and i hope our listeners have taken away and you know if you're in the toronto area go check out one of sweet pete's bike shops um there are they are toronto on bloordale the annex and the trailhead location at 550 bayview avenue so if you got one close to you go in and say i heard pete on the podcast and say hi and uh check out their inventory <laughs> buy a new helmet i don't know if you have helmets everybody needs a new helmet <laughs> for sure but, but with that thanks everybody and um they are they can be found on facebook twitter and instagram as so follow uh sweet pete's bike shop there also follow the podcast and we do now have a newsletter you can sign up for so you'll never miss an episode so with that have an amazing day thank you so much pete for joining us today um i loved it <laughs> thanks so much sylvie Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.